0: Hello, welcome. This is the Field Goals Podcast. I am Dana O'Gorman. There has been a lot that has gone on this season for the Seahawks. We've had really low lows, really high highs. It's been a roller coaster of a season, but a lot of unexpected and happy surprises. With that comes a lot of question marks. With that comes a lot of expectations. And I wanted to get my hands around where we really think this team is right now where we're at in December football possibly heading for the playoffs possibly not kind of in that limbo phase so I wanted to do a little bit of a round table tonight um I wanted lots of opinions and opinions with great knowledge so I brought on with me tonight Dan Viens, of course who is my other field goals um podcast host Dan how are you
1: I'm good. I, I swear you were going to say, I wanted to bring on people with a lot of knowledge, but this is what I have instead.
0: Oh, no, never. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's
1: good to be here as always.
0: Oh, thank you. I also brought on the host of Hawk's Playbook, two very good friends of mine. I know they're good friends at Dan's. They they've been on our podcast before. We have Keith Myers and Bill Alvstead. Keith, how
2: are you doing, sir? I'm doing good. Glad to be here. I think this is the It's been a while, so I was going to say like the first time in almost a year that um, we've been on the show with you, so I'm very happy to be here.
0: Keith and I were talking about that, and we used to visit with each other regularly throughout the season, and this year, it just has been hard to do that. Obviously, we also have Bill with us. Bill? Thank you so much, sir, for joining us.
3: Hey, Danny. Thanks for the invite. It's great to be here. I'm happy to be here again with Keith. Uh, We do a show every week, uh, actually three shows a week. You guys are on all the time. Congratulations on your field goals gig. That's uh, awesome. But uh, yeah, excited to be here to talk some Seahawks football for sure.
0: Thank you. I'm excited too, because we were discussing before the show started that the, the Seahawks fans, we really started out this season with absolutely no expectation. We really were. I wasn't sure if this team would win four games like that's where my head was at. And then the team started playing better. And as with that, the expectations grew. And then they lost two in a row, two very public games, too, including that one in Germany. Um, and so the expectations fell again. And that's what I mean by the roller coaster. I just feel like it's hard to get a grasp on really what is going on with this team. You have great offensive play one week, great defensive play, and then it falls apart. And so, and sometimes it's quarter to quarter, even at that point. So I really wanted to talk about this. So I'm going to start, Dan, I'm going to start with you. I want everyone to just give kind of a snippet of where they think this team is at. What is your overall grade for the team so far and why?
1: Obviously it's it's way ahead of where any of us expected them to be and, and me included, Um I would give him a, I, th- I thought about this ever since you, you asked us for this, I'm going to give him a B plus. And a lot of that is related to, you know, I, I think when, when I think about a grade, I think about how well are they performing relative to how well they could perform. And I'm not sure that with all the struggles, kind of the hot and cold uh, performance we've seen on the defensive side of the ball, I'm not sure that the talent is there at this okay. juncture to to perform much better than they have, and that, that those four weeks that they seemed to play really well and and total yardage and total points were down, I think that was a little bit of an anomaly and might fit into that that old cliche of things are never as good as they seem or as bad as they seem. I think what we've seen the last couple of weeks is more of who they are. They'll get you a three and out once in a while. They'll come up with a big stop once in a while if they need to. But for the most part, they're just not capable of up front mostly of, of going up against good offenses and shutting them down for an entire game. And so I think you just kind of have to, you're going to have to live with what we have on that side of the ball. But the offense has been so good. And obviously the Geno Smith story is front and center and how consistent they've been and how good they've been uh, at, at adjusting during games and and playing against all sorts of different defensive schemes and some good defenses that, you know, for where we thought this team was going to be, and for for how the roster is constructed, it was really tempting not to give them an A minus. The reason I went B plus is just simply because of the Raiders game. That's a game they should have won and yeah. they, they let it get away. They only had three players. They needed to key on those three players, beat them. And and that one game is really the, the glaring wart on their resume.
0: I will say this though, in that, about that Raiders game, those were three serious players, right? Like we're talking like (laughs) elite level players. I will give them that. Oh, absolutely. Keith, what about you? What is your grade so far through what? 12, 13 weeks of the season?
2: Well, I actually have gone back and forth. If you look at just like the play I've got uh, a couple of scheme issues and and the way they're using players that I don't really like that. um, Maybe we'll get into later in the show, but, uh, my expectations were so low that this season has been a lot of fun. And the the most important part of the season was always going to be the development and evaluation of young players. And the fact that they've got six guys that are contributing, that they have the, um, the most snaps played by rookies of anyone in the NFL, and they're still winning, doing it like. So that's, 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 that's phenomenal. And um, so Basing it on our, our initial expectations, like B plus, A minus, like that, they're doing great. Um, overall, though, I there are some things that I think that they there's changes that they've made that I think they shouldn't have. And if they go back to what they were doing, they can go back to winning like they were um, during that four game winning streak.
0: So you're sticking with a, you said B minus or A minus, yeah. B plus. That's awesome. Yeah. All right, Bill, your turn.
3: All right. I'm going to be a little contrarian here. Not too far off the, the mark, though. You guys are both correct in, in the way that you, you view that. But it is come down to perspective, doesn't it? You go into the season we have low expectations. Keith and I had an, uh, a show where we did all of our predictions and we both predicted five wins. So as far as that goes, uh, if you look through uh, that lens, this team is exceeding expectations uh, it's, it's hard not to give them a B plus a minus as Keith reiterated. Uh, but I'm taking this team seriously. Now, uh, this team went on a four game win streak. They went by double digits in those games. Keith mentioned all the rookies playing out of their minds. It's awesome. Uh, Smith Smith's having not only a career year, but he's having one of the best quarterback years, uh, that we've seen in quite a while in just the NFL in general uh, leading in a whole bunch of uh, different statistical categories or top five anyway. Um, so I'm going to give them a B minus. And the reason that I'm going to give them a B minus is that I am taking them serious. They want to get into the playoffs. So there's seventh seed right now. uh, if we look at where the playoff standings are and, uh, there's two areas I think that are really holding this team back on offense. It's the running game on defense. It's the running game, both sides of the ball in the trenches, uh, they are, they're very inconsistent running the ball when they have run it they've, and, they, and they've been successful. It's really helped the team win. Um, that's where they've got their double digit wins from, et cetera. On the other side of the ball, we saw the first four weeks, it was a disaster as far as being able to stop the run or do anything really well, um, on the defense, but it started up front. They kind of corrected that for a while. Uh, And then the last uh, two games prior to this Rams game, we just saw him getting torn up on the ground, giving up games that we should have probably had. They got away with it, uh, at the Rams game because Geno Smith played an outstanding game, passed for well over 300 yards and those touchdowns. And that's the difference. Um, When you take a look at the losses, they gave up over 150 yards in each one of those losses on the ground. Our next five opponents, which is critical down the stretch, you're playing the Panthers, they're 14th in in EPA on defense. The Chiefs are 12th, the 49ers are 7th, the Jets 16th, the Rams still rank third in the league defending the run overall. And so if we're going to be successful, if we're going to get into the playoffs, if we're going to do anything when we get there, we've got to figure that out on both sides. So I'm I'm squarely at a B-. minus. but I want, them, I want to be able to give them a higher grade. I, they're just not quite there yet.
0: I agree with you. Not, mine was a B minus or a C plus. And the only reason for saying that, it has nothing to do with the expectations, which I totally get. Compared to what we expected, this is amazing, right? This is definitely A minus, B plus. But it's the inconsistency that's bothering me so much. And and But for this team, for where we thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season, to even get that high of a grade, even a B minus is amazing. Right. Like that's just fantastic. And that's exactly what we would love to have seen. And, and you're, you're absolutely right about the development of young players that is happening. It looks beautiful and they're doing great. And so, yeah, I get it. But what's interesting is we're all about in the same spot. There's no doomsdayers. There's no one saying we're going right to the, to the super bowl. So I think that that that's interesting from everyone. I want to move on. Cause I want to talk about that these players, on offense, defense, whether it's position group or specific players. We're we're looking into next year and you have to look into players you bring back onto the 53. You have to look at your needs in the draft. You have to look at all these different aspects of building this team to next year because that is truly the focus. Even if we make the playoffs, the focus is all about next year. And the funny thing is I said that for a very different reason at the beginning of the season. I said, I, everyone remember 22 is all about 23. And I said that over and over and over again at the beginning of the season, it still stands, but not because of the dire situation. I thought we were going to be in it's, it's because, um, they're actually playing well, but they still have to evaluate. And there's a lot of pieces on this team that aren't working. There's a lot that are working. And so I want to talk to you guys about those. If you, and Keith, I'm going to start with you on this one who to you is the most important piece and it doesn't have to be a player. It can be a position group also um, on offense currently as we have them right now. And do you plan, do you expect them to, to come back again in 23?
2: Okay. That's a, that's a question. The way you worded it, the most important piece is Gino. Um, Do I expect them to come back? Yes. But there, that's a, that's a huge, um, a huge contract, a huge question mark. We don't know what's going to happen with that. I I don't see a scenario in which another team pays him enough to get him out of Seattle, but it's possible. Um, But he's the most important piece on offense. He made, he's making this, uh, this whole thing work. Part of the reason why he's making it work though, is because the rookie offensive tackles have been, have been great. The um, wide receivers, at least the the top two continue to be good. The the tight ends continue to be good, but all those players that I mentioned are definitely all coming back next year. They're all, at least they're all under contract um, for, for, for next year. So if they get Geno back and if they can fix the interior of the offensive line, this offense should not take a step back in any way. If anything, it takes, takes another big step forward. Interesting.
0: Bill, what about you?
3: Yeah, I have to agree with Keith and Geno Smith. Absolutely. Um, Coming into the season, the expectation was that we were going to be a top five draft pick of our own uh, because Geno was going to fail And the reason he was going to fail is history was against him. Um, And he just hadn't done it before. And it had been a long time since he'd even really taken meaningful snaps. Uh, He he came in for Russ last year for a few games, but uh, that was just to fill in. This was his show now. Um, And he did it. He came in like Pete Carroll believed in him. He believed in himself. And look at this thing. It's just the greatest story uh, in Seattle sports and, and across the country right now. And so he continues to be the biggest piece because it's something that you can continue and duplicate and, and replicate next year. Uh, and it gives them tremendous flexibility moving forward because now you're not pressing in the draft. You can allow the draft to come to you. We've seen other holes emerge on the team. Uh, so that makes the draft uh, and, and free agency doable if they can lock him into a contract, which I believe that they will. So he he does make everything else flow. And he's definitely, you know, one of the best players on the team at this point.
0: True. Dan, do you agree with them that it's Gino or do you have a different thought?
1: Well, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a little bit of a different thought. Otherwise it would just be really boring. Right. Ah. But but, uh, (laughs) but I still, I I have to, I, I mean, it's I'll even expand on what Bill just said. Gino's not just, he's not just good enough. He's really good. I mean, he's really good. And that's the progression I think we've seen since like week four or five, where we started to all open our eyes and go, Oh, Hey, maybe, He's put maybe we can win with him for the next couple of years while we transition. No, he's really, really good. That, that winning touchdown throw to DK Metcalf uh, illustrated. There were a number of throws in the game that illustrated how uniquely good he is. And I'll say this, there's not only maybe 10 quarterbacks in the NFL that could make the throw that he made to DK for that winner. There might be 10 or less that would even attempt that throw. That's how much confidence he has in where his game is. That throw was in a tight window. The way he manipulated the pocket and moved a little bit against Jalen Ramsey was phenomenal. It just guys, this is a really good quarterback. He's a top 10 quarterback at worst. And not only can they win with him, I think this guy can, can take a team to a super bowl, but let me say this because I just want to add a little bit of variety to this conversation. The guy at the other end of that catch I don't think enough's being made of the step forward he took on Sunday. That as good as DK's been this year and he's getting more consistent targets, funny enough, from the current quarterback, that he's making an impact in every game. But we've seen some games from DK this year, seven catches for 90 yards. We've seen some possession-style games. This game, if it's not a breakout game because we know who DK Metcalf is and he can't break out. He's already been paid, right? But to go against Jalen Ramsey, Arguably mm-hmm. the most talented corner in the NFL and to take that challenge head on and make plays down the field and come up with that game winner and catch that football, which always hasn't been a strength of his. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he took a huge step forward on Sunday and solidified himself as um one of the best wide receivers in the NFL, I think. And, and I think it was a big moment that's getting overshadowed a little bit because it was Gino's first game-winning draw. So uh, you can't say enough
3: about yeah, his His last two matchups against Jalen Ramsey have been outstanding.
0: His best um, two games? Five,
3: five catches, 98 yards, two touchdowns last year. Uh, this last game, uh, eight catches, 127 yards, and the game-winning touchdown walk-off, essentially. And yep. um, against the best corner in the in N- mm-hmm. the NFL. Agreed. Yeah.
0: Yeah, he, uh, I, I read that right after the game, that the best two games that DK Metcalf have ever had have both been against Jalen Ramsey. And I love that. And I didn't even care that he got a personal foul. I didn't care. I'm like, I love it. I love the anger. I love the, you know, and everyone's like, oh, stupid. It's like, yeah, but we didn't hate it when Richard Sherman did that, right? Like he was yeah. in trouble all the yeah. time. So <laughs> I, I wasn't too mad at him about him because- And looking
1: back really on it, he may there. have been doing that with a purpose. He, he may have, uh-huh. that, that was him just trying to go. Jalen Ramsey and maybe getting a penalty of his own. So I was upset at the time, but.
0: Yeah, I'm good now. But I'm over. Yeah. The, my my answer was going to be actually the offensive line because I think that the offensive yeah. line really has been so important. And if you watch it now, they had a rough game. But to be honest with you, they've had some amazing games. And given Gino that time to build that confidence in his pocket, given him space to move up and all of that, um, I think that that's been a huge important. And plus, I think going forward, even if Gino does get poached by another team, a really good line gives you know another quarterback a really good chance, as we
1: have seen. Do any of us – sorry. Do any of us expect him not to get tagged? Though I, I've heard this conversation a little mm-hmm. bit in the last few days that let him go see what the market is. He's got mm-hmm. a he's got a, you know an attachment to Seattle. They'll come at they have a history of letting guys test the market. I don't think they take that risk. I really mm-hmm. really don't.
2: I think they'll give him the non-exclusive tag though, um, because that will let let him go and see what else is out there. But it also lowers his price, right? It lowers it from what is it? Is that uh, the
1: one where we, there'd be a there'd be the two first? first
2: currently uh, around
3: thirty-one million dollars. Yeah. If, if someone yeah. else signed him and they didn't, so it'll, match be, it
2: it'll be it'll be yeah, it'll be thirty-one million um, okay. one-year deal. And and yeah. if they sign him, we get two first-round picks. So right. um, it the, it sets it up well.
3: The only reason that I would pause on that is that once you do a franchise tag, that locks in your salary cap. For that player at that moment. And so Seattle needs to be very wary of that. Now we do have $50 million, but the functional uh, cap space is right around $35 million. Mm -hmm. So I would imagine it is a tool that they keep available and they can restructure or, or cut certain players to, you know, create. About $20 million worth of cap space next year, but they only have 31 players under contract. So it's gonna be the date for the tag, is it? That's in March, isn't
1: it? Right Right around the start of the league year. Something like that. Yeah. Okay.
0: So I want to flip this and do the harder one because this is the harder, the harder conversation. I want that exact same question. Who do you think is the most important player right now? And do you think they will be around next year on defense? Because we know that this defense has holes. We know this defense struggles. We, we get all of that, right? So looking at the defense as a whole, from what you've seen from this year and bill, I'm going to start with you this time. Who do you see as probably that, that linchpin, the most important
3: piece? Wow. That's interesting. Um, based on our earlier conversation before you pushed record, uh, I will try to steer away from from my choice, my personal (laughs) choice, because um, the rookie Tariq Willen at cornerback looks like a cornerstone of the franchise already. And we're in game. He just completed game 12. This is a guy that you can build around, shut down one side of the field, just like Richard Sherman. And um, you surround players around him like a free safety that can really move sideline to sideline. Uh, like Earl Thomas used to, I mean, I'm not saying that there's a lot of Earl Thomas's out there, but it gives the team an opportunity to really kind of build that back end around this player. The uh, Uchenen Wasu is, is, is the player up front that I think that we need to be talking about as far as building around There's a player that came in last year, had five sacks with the chargers, got an opportunity to basically double his snaps this year. And he's taking advantage, he's got nine sacks already, a couple forced fumbles. He's been an uh, instrumental player all around, just one one of the steady players uh, that we've seen that's transcended some of the the issues that the team's had up front. Um, so that would be the player, the blue chip guy that I would look at and and build this thing around. You you could possibly even extend him now as early as, you know, as soon as the season ends to get this guy locked up for an additional couple of years, get that cap space uh, manipulated a little bit to help the team. And that's what I would do.
0: Interesting. I hadn't thought about extending him so
3: early. Mm-hmm.
0: Dan, what about you?
3: Yeah, I'm
1: I'm right there with you, Bill. Um, that's why I almost hurt my neck nodding as you were saying that. It's <laughs> it's um, uh, Nuosu's the guy, and you know, John Schneider doesn't have a doesn't have a great history of signing free agents uh, here in Seattle, but this one was a home run. It was a slam dunk. It was a guy that I really didn't know that intimately when the signing was made, and so I saw the money and and it's the biggest free agent contract they've ever given out, and I thought okay, you know, let's see what this guy is. And and he's been outstanding. And 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 as we look forward to next year, I look forward to seeing what he can do when teams can't focus on him. They need, you know, we'll talk about this at another time, but they need mm-hmm. to find someone from the other edge that can make an impact and, and kind of free up, you know, take some pressure off him. He's been so good. I think that is a way. As you were talking about cap space a moment ago, I'm thinking, okay, Gabe Jackson, like in my head, I'm running through some moves they can make. And one of them is, Try to extend Nuosu. It was only a two-year deal. I think an average annual value of about twelve million, right? So they can lower that, free up a little space, and and maybe get him to stay. Um, I think it says everything we we need to know about the defense that this isn't a hard conversation. That it's Tariq Wallen and it's Uchenna Nuosu, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like Boye Mafe might be developing into a good player, but we mm-hmm. haven't really seen him make a dynamic impact.
3: Yeah, there is one in blue, the Last game too.
1: Yeah. There is one other blue chip player um, that we haven't talked about. Um, And none of us are talking about Jordan Brooks here either, which is a little bit of a disappointment, but I saw some videos about five hours ago posted by Jamal Adams. And I think he's 79 days into his rehab. He's doing some things that I didn't think he'd be doing coming off patella tendon surgery or uh, uh, quad tendon surgery so soon. Um, that's the guy that, that's the other blue chip player mm-hmm. that uh, that I think has a chance to make a Geno Smith type comeback next year. But other than that, there aren't there's some nice players, some guys we like. I liked what I saw out of Trey Brown on Sunday. I think he's going to take that job at some point in the next couple of weeks from Mike Jackson. But outside of that that's where this roster is lacking Mm -hmm. and that's what they need to address moving forward.
2: See, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit there. Mm -hmm. Jamal Adams, I believe has played his last game in Seattle. Mm
1: -hmm.
2: Um, We're talking about all this next
1: year. Uh, Well,
2: if they do it as a, if you do it as a June 1st, uh, a post June first cut, they save about $14 million against the cap. That's where a big chunk of the cap room that they're going to need is going to come from. I don't see him coming back and I don't see an impact that he's made in the last couple of years worth like, Con- continuing to call him a blue chip player, he had a bunch of. I think of sacks. the issues
1: we're seeing on run defense this year would be much much different if he was on the field because that's he's awesome. elite in that area.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's. I don't see strong safety as being the problem there. I see the inability mm-hmm. to set the edge. It's been a lot of Bruce Irvin, yeah. uh, Taylor um uh, mafia uh, uh, sometime like those are been been where a lot of the big plays have been given up yeah. um and so yeah so i'm going to disagree with you on, on the jamal adams thing everyone's going to agree with um Nwesu and woolen but i am going to say uh jordan brooks is is one of those guys he's Talked leading into it. he's leading on <laughs> tackles and he's doing it with no help in front of him because our defensive line mm. can't eat blocks they're Opposing teams right now aren't even double teaming any of our, 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 front three. Uh, they're instantly sending a guard straight into the second level. Uh, this isn't a double team and then release. It's a go straight after Brooks and hit him as fast as you can. <laughs> uh, and our front three should be able to punish them for that. And they're not. And, uh, he's still leading the NFL in tackles and he's doing it without any help in front of him. And I'm sorry, Cody Barton, um, He's not, he's not it at at the other middle linebacker spot. So they need, uh, he needs help around him and he's got nothing right now. And yet he's still leading. the Mm -hmm. league.
1: It's such an interesting perspective because it's, it's the analogy I would use is when you watch a boxing match, if there's a guy you like, you're keying on him and so you're noticing the punches he's landing and you think he's winning, even if he isn't right. That's just kind of how it goes. When I watch Jordan Brooks and I just focus on him, I'm seeing him not getting off blocks. I'm seeing him getting blocked. I'm seeing him get pushed at back five yards, but but if they're not cleaning anything up in front of him, mm-hmm. then then he's not getting any help. That's a that's a really interesting point because yeah. I would love to believe that he's a guy that can lock that spot down. Yeah, for, you know, get an extension and and a second contract. Yeah, sure.
0: I and I think he will because I he's also leading Pro Bowl vaults right now. So obviously yeah. there's some popularity there, and right. and and I I like Jordan Brooks too, Keith. I, I'm with you on that one. Um, do I think he's a perfect player? No. Do I think he can grow? Yes. I I do see where he can make some improvement and some coaching and and some help. I think that that's just a huge part. Of these couple of really good defensive players that we have, they just don't have enough around them. They're they're too busy cleaning up all the time, and I, I think mm-hmm. that that can be a huge problem um, for them. Yeah, it, the the defense is is definitely. It's so funny. We all thought the offense was going to be the problem this year. Turned right. out that it was the opposite. Is it, a,
1: is it a problem that none of us mentioned Quandre Diggs?
2: Well, it's a problem uh, this year. I would have brought him up last year. Yeah, it's it's a problem. And mm-hmm. he has been a problem in a bunch of the games. Mm-hmm. Um, he's he's missing tackles, which he's never done before. Oh. And he's just whiffing on guys. And that's that's got to end. Um, and if it doesn't, I, they they gotta upgrade the position. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the way the way this team does all the zone stuff, you need free safety play um that is gonna be able to cover a lot of ground, and he's just not doing it. He's the way he used to
0: No, it's really been quite a drop off this year. And it's a heartbreaking to me because he's one of my favorite players. I loved the way just short stocky all over the field. Like I loved the way he played defense and he's just missing a step. I don't know if there's some lingering injury. I don't know what it is. I don't,
3: you know, it's, it's I think, you, I think you also need to, to, to give him a, a slight break in that he's got basically three, very inexperienced players True. around him.
0: 100%. Uh, on, the,
3: on the back end there. Mm-hmm. Tariq Woolen, incredible. Kobe Bryant, and Mike Jackson. Uh, you know, Mike Jackson took a few snaps last year, but other than that, the entire group had nothing. And so there's a little bit of compensating there. There's you know some trust things that need to be developed over time. Mm-hmm. And so there's and a I wonder bit too if,
1: if just you know, broken it was a severe injury. And and you hear sometimes yeah. with injuries like that, Tyler Lockett's, I think, was not all that dissimilar to the type of broken leg that he suffered. And, you know, he wasn't as explosive that first year back. And maybe this is one of those things where he, you know, that's still, not that it's hurting him, but just all of the recovery psychologically as well, that sometimes you hear that, you know, sometimes it takes a second year for a guy to it took come took
0: Tyler an extra year, yeah. even though yeah. he came mm-hmm. back, it took him an extra that's year. Great. That's yeah. very true. All right. So let's move on. I want to talk about Shane Waldron And Clint hurts. And the reason why I want to talk about them, Pete is Pete. We all know Pete, Pete coaches, how he coaches, right? Like that's just who he is. There's no need to discuss Pete Carroll. We all know exactly what you get with Pete Carroll, but Waldron, I think is an interesting conversation to have because I think this year is so different. From last year. And yes, the quarterback is different and what pushback was given there. And we get that. But just kind of overall, are you impressed with what he's done? Do you like, do you like what he's doing with this offense? Bill, I want to start with you. I I mean, is, is, is Waldron the OC of the future?
3: Yeah, if he doesn't get an offer that he can't refuse right. to, to, oh, yeah. to take a job somewhere else this year. Yeah, he's outstanding. It's been outstanding. The team's top 10 offense, uh, you know, they're second or third in the league in scoring right now. Geno Smith is playing out of his mind within the scheme. You take a look at the, the, the way that the play calls are. There's nobody talking about how Shane's calling games, the, the way he sets up games, the way that the scheme is set up to where you're, you're looking at uh, similar formations and plays out of whether they were run or play action. Um, and it's just outstanding, really. I mean, he's just doing a fabulous job. And I couldn't imagine another coordinator in here right now uh, doing that job. Uh, it's kind of the perfect scenario for um, Pete Carroll and, and the team and Geno Smith going forward as far as continuity is concerned. So I hope he does stick around.
0: Yeah, me too. Keith, I want to ask you about, um, Clint Hertz. I was real excited when he showed up. I was re I thought that, you know, he was kind of that old school kind of beat him up kind of, you know, defensive guy. And that's the kind of defense. I love, I always say, I love eighties Raider football guys. I just love it. Right. Like I love the old school kind of football. What about him? Obviously it has struggled, although he announced he was in a press conference today and he said that when they saw what was going on in the first few plays or first quarter or whatever it was um, in the Rams game, they made a shift. And I think that that shift came earlier than it normally would have within a game. And so I I think he's learning a little bit, but what are your thoughts on the way he's been as DC?
2: Well, this is what i was alluding to earlier is that there's some schematic stuff that i don't like mm-hmm. um they're asking the front 3 to 2 gap so they basically you, you know stack the guard and then you you watch the gaps on both sides of you these are guys that are not built for that shelby harris is a penetrator mm-hmm. uh, quentin jefferson is a penetrator the, that's what those guys are good at that's um, who they are and you're asking them to do things that they're not great at that was the awful defense that we saw for the first four games. Then when they turned it around and they had that stretch where the defense was dominant, they stopped doing that. They went to a one-gap scheme, and it worked really well. And then you go back to these last couple games, and what do you see? You see them two-gapping again, mm-hmm. and guess what? The defense isn't looking good. They can't stop their run. They're having trouble. It's like, why are you going back to this thing that doesn't work when you have players that can do something else really well? And that's been my 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 best coaching like issue this year has that been that particular aspect of the way the scheme is drawn up yeah
0: it's been interesting and and I don't know and and it wasn't just Hertz that came in we also had Desai Sean Desai came in and he has been helpful obviously he was from Chicago before and is considered kind of a wonder kid in um, coaching and so they brought him in and I just wondered if they were trying to do stuff with the players that they had on hand but They almost didn't know that, you know what I mean? Like they knew the players, but they didn't know them. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just, it just seemed like they were throwing stuff against the wall there for a while that would see what would stick. And it just was not working. Um, Dan, when, when we talk about these other, we talk about, um, oh my God, I've blanked his name again. Dick. Is it Dickinson Dickerson? Yeah. So the offensive line coach, and then you have like Sean Desai, who's come in, um, on the defensive side. Do, do you think that that they have made an impact at all? I, I think you can't argue that offensive line. I mean, it's just so good.
1: Yeah, you can't not give Andy Dickerson credit. You know, he he essentially pushed Mike Solari out of a job. You know, right? One of the one of the better offensive line coaches for decades in this league um, to to start two offensive tackles as rookies and have him play, to my knowledge, every single snap this year. Mm-hmm. I think. Um, and have them both perform at the level they're performing and to, to follow off a point Keith made earlier, mm-hmm. um, in the show that, you know, not a lot of help from the interior offensive line. And, and yeah, we've seen those guys have more welcome to the NFL moments in the last couple of weeks than they've had, but you think back to Sunday's game and I think it's the most Abraham Lucas has struggled against the pass rush this year. He just flat out got beat a couple of times and, and Cross did too. As, as a duo, uh, it might have been right up there with the Raiders game as their roughest game. But yet on that la- on that final drive, they were outstanding. And um, I, I just think how those guys have been able to make outside pass protection a non-factor, like it's just not been an issue. You have to give Dickerson a ton of credit for that. Um, I think this might be one of the best coaching staffs Pete Carroll's assembled. And, and I feel like he went out, instead of getting his guys Right. We've seen that a lot in his tenure here. I think he did a lot of research and asked around my recollection when I was reading about it is he didn't really know Carl Scott, but he did his research. And and enough people said, Carl Scott's a guy, man, you got to get him to coach the secondary. And he brought him in and Sean decides another one. So give Pete credit for that, too. But um, I, I think this coaching staff as a whole with what they've had to work with has been good. And I'll make one other point based on what Keith was saying, man, they better go back to a one gap scheme when they, when they draft Jalen Carter with the third pick next year.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, they better. Um, you must've listened to Bill and my um, mock draft show that we did a couple weeks ago. Um, Cause that's who we both picked. Um, I didn't know. <laughs> with that pick. I've, I've, um, I'm
1: dreaming about Jalen Carter, right? But yeah. Jalen Carter
2: are. in the middle is, is just a, um, just a team wrecker game wrecker right in the middle. Um, He will make everyone else on that defense look, look better. Um, that would be so much fun.
0: Oh, my gosh. There was that video that came out of him the game, I think it was last weekend, where he literally just picked a guy up. Yeah, tossed like, him. Oh! Yeah. my God. It just made me so happy. You have no idea. I was just like, yep, that's the guy. That's the guy. He almost
1: broke Hendon hooker in two on a safety uh, earlier this year when he came
0: back. The thing of it is, is everybody knows how good he is. So Denver, God help you. Please keep losing because the higher (laughs) we get, the better off we will be for sure. All right. So for my last question for you guys tonight, what, what is your, Um, I want you to put this season away. Whatever happens, happens in this season. You know, we make the playoffs. If we don't, if we lose in the wild card, whatever happens, happens. It's already exceeded our expectations. What is your optimism level for 23? Looking at the players they have who might come back, who might not, the draft picks that are available, you know, what is your optimism level and how high does that go? Is it just playoffs? Is it Super Bowl? Kind of where do you sit? Bill, I want to start with you.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, How can you not be excited about 2023? I think I was excited about 2023 uh, when, when Russ Wilson got traded because I knew that this season was going to kind of be on house money and it was just going to be one of those deals. It turns out it it has been on house money, but we're much better, much better placed and situated than I thought that we would be at this time. Um, As we get into the off season, we've got some cash. We need to to solidify uh, Geno Smith, but other than that, you know, certain players will fall into place. It just happens every year. Uh, they could add a few key pieces, um, maybe a, a center upgrade, a center uh, position uh, in free agency, and maybe a couple other things go into that draft. Just kind of having most positions solidified and just add to the immediate impact of. Um, of this team. You've got five picks in the top 85 currently. Number three overall, you've got a high draft pick in the second round. Um, it just doesn't get any better as far as the setup is concerned. Mm-hmm. Now, can we translate that into a Super Bowl run next year? I, don't, I think that would be too much. I think, though, that you would want to get a divisional round win uh, and possibly get to that NFC championship game. Uh, if they can get into the playoffs this year, you're giving a whole bunch of rookies and young players a chance to get some great experience. And next year, you carry that a little further, and then that window is wide open. Uh, after next year's draft class has a chance to season a little bit, and you go into 2024, and I think the Super Bowl window is open.
2: Mm. Keith, what about you? So I'm a I'm a little bit more ahead um, than than Bill is here. I think if it they nailed this draft, they absolutely nailed it, and if they they're going to go into this draft coming up with more ammunition than they had in the last one. And if they nail it again, you're looking at a team that's going to be one of the elite teams in the league. Definitely an elite team in the diminished NFC. And they're going to be that way for a few years. So, yeah, go sign Gino, go draft some some blue-chip guys, and, and set your sights as high as you want them. They're there. This team has a lot of talent in the right places. True.
0: Dan, wrap it up. How you feeling?
2: I'm with Keith and I tend to be optimistic
1: anyway. Um, I think expectations for 23, um, cannot, cannot be high enough. Uh, it's if they have another offseason similar to what they had this offseason. And I'm not talking about it, it's it's unrealistic to think that six rookies from your draft class are going to be starters and and contribute the way that these six have. Um, but as Keith said, they have more draft ammo. They have more picks higher in the draft. And Bill mentioned the the four, the four of them that in that top range. And it, and they seem to have a shift in how they scouted and went about the draft last year. Just stop not getting too cute not outthinking thinking right. themselves um, because they had the ammo and they could just take best player available. And, th- and then Denver has just given us this incredible Christmas gift of, of being terrible and, and giving us two really high picks in this draft and Miami gave us a gift because there's only 31 picks in the first round. I mean, there's, it just keeps coming in the fact that we don't even have to think about a quarterback right. in the first couple of rounds of this draft. If you if you add the impact talent on defense, if you do a Charles Cross, Abraham Lucas type addition to the defense and you add a couple of players out of this draft that can make that kind of impact um, and the entire offense comes back intact, except you're going to upgrade center and you're going to upgrade right guard. Hopefully. Uh, I think Super Bowl is a reasonable expectation for next year, especially considering the Rams bubble has burst. The Cardinals are a mess and there's going to be some jobs lost this offseason. And we don't know what's going to happen with the 49ers quarterback situation again going into the offseason. It's basically 2022 all over again with Mm -hmm. question marks everywhere. There's an opportunity there to become one of the top teams in the NFC.
0: Oh, you guys get me all happy. Listen, wow. I know. I'd like
3: to reevaluate my... <laughs> my <memory. laughs>
0: no, Bill, I was with you. I saw thought some big the deal over
3: there. I, <laughs> I, I, thought,
0: I was with you, Bill. I thought, you know, they're going to take 23 and really get these kids in and learn and ready to go. And we'll see where we're at. And then in 24, but I think that Keith and Dan just talked me out of it. I think I'm, in, I'm all in for next well, year. Well,
1: Keith obviously. mentioned that The NFC is down. That's where That's the opportunity true. comes from. It's yeah, other true. than Philadelphia, which is on the way up and has two first-round picks. and uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's an opportunity there. There's a win
0: philly philly's so fun to watch if you guys mm. don't watch philadelphia games you should they're a lot of fun to watch mm. you guys i appreciate you so much taking some time out of your evening to come and chit chat with us i want to remind all of our followers that you can find keith and bill they do hawks playbook and like they said they do like three shows a week it's so fun to go watch so please go and check them out um and of course dan and i are here for you every week <laughs> bill goes so we appreciate your time and listening to us i hope everyone has a great week good night everybody